Hey, it's Greg Stanley. If you're listening to this podcast, you know I love everything automotive. This passion has expanded to include being a car specialist consultant for RM Sotheby's. So if you need assistance buying or consigning a collector car at any one of our online or live auctions, including Scottsdale, Amelia Island, or Monterey, you can reach one of our car specialists at rmsotheby's.com or you can email me directly at gstanley at rmsotheby's.com. This is the Collector Car Podcast, the home for the auto enthusiast. Join Greg Stanley as he applies over 25 years of insights and analytical experience to the collector car market. He will interview the experts and throw in some fun stuff as well. Welcome to the Collector Car Podcast. Hey, it's Greg Stanley, and we are going to talk about cars, specifically the cars that are coming up in RM Sotheby's Open Roads April Sale. And to help me do this, to talk about these cars is Ramsey Potts. Ramsey, how you doing? Greg, how are you? It's really good to be here once again. Love what you're doing with this. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, and I really want to make this focused on the cars. Obviously, we uh, work with RM Sotheby's, and folks can find the information on our website as they want to put one of these cars in their garages. But I really just want to talk about the cars, and it's called Trending Cars Available Today. Now, these cars, I wasn't able to get facts on all of them, but I will share some of the market trend results for these cars. And a lot of them I picked out for specific reasons related to the marketplace. And as you know, Ramsey, we've talked about this before. You and I have very diverse tastes when it comes to cars, which is why I think it's great that we're tag teaming this. So if you would, could you kind of give us an overview of your thoughts on the lots we have coming up in April? You know, again, Greg, thank you. Uh, and thank heavens we have that diversity. Otherwise, there'd be too many British cars on the road, <laughs> right, Greg? So, <laughs> and, and Volvos. <laughs> and Volvos, that's right. The, you know, the, this open roads sale, this concept, and Greg, I'll be the first to admit, as a specialist for RM Sotheby's, when COVID hit and we had to make this transition, Look, I, I wondered, you know, will the world be ready to really dig into automobiles in this format? And yeah, Bring a Trailer and other formats are already there and doing it. Could we make the transition? I think we've done it. I believe there are cars out there that are interesting. I believe there are cars out there that are great opportunities. And quite frankly, just some really neat things. Greg, I actually have a couple, uh, you know, you can go onto the website and tag the little heart and pick your things you're most interested in. And I've got a few automobilia items <laughs> highlighted in this auction. I think we've really stepped it up this time with some amazing Ferrari stuff in this sale as well. Yeah, I did want to kick it off. I know we want to talk about cars, but there are some really great automobilia here. And I would love to have some of this in my garage. And like you said, there's some Ferrari, there's a lot of Ferrari owner's manuals, which is pretty cool. So if you have a cool Ferrari and you're missing a manual, uh, you'll probably find it here. And then one thing I thought was interesting, I don't know if it's a great one to call out or not, but I just thought it was fascinating. There's actually an Alfredo Ferrari's funeral announcement from 1956. Now, that's a little morbid, but it's just something you don't see every day, right? You know, sometimes the macabre can be quite fascinating. And <laughs> in this particular case, the fact that it's Ferrari, Alfredo, I, I, I mean, I'm just amazed that somebody has kept that and it appears to be in such good condition i think it's incredible of course i thought that jaguar sales and service sign was pretty neat i've seen a couple of those sales and service signs there's clearly a demand for them but i hope nobody bids against me on the 24-hour dumont event posters 62 through 65 that uh it's just some, and of course I have no wall space, but that's never stopped me before. Right, right. Yeah, if I had all the money in the world, I would buy you that Jaguar sales and service 
sign because uh, that's just pretty cool. You don't see those that often. Well, let's talk about some of the cars. And I did want to kick it off with a trio of Mercedes-Benz, which some of my listeners might be like, really? Starting off with Mercedes, huh? So reason being, there's a couple interesting ones here. And I'm actually going to start with the least expensive first, uh, the 1987 Mercedes-Benz 560 SL. Now, this is one I really want to watch closely because... For a long time now, you could tell the prices on those pretty much by the mileage. So if it was a 100,000-mile car, it was worth $10,000. And you could just work your way down to where, you know, if it's a 10,000-mile car, it's worth $100,000, you know? It was very linear when it came to the prices on these cars. But I've seen them a couple pop a little bit more than I thought they would recently. You know, maybe it's a 45,000-mile car that's bringing $45,000, you know? So... Uh, we do have one in the sale. I, uh, I think it's a pretty cool one. I don't know. What are your thoughts on the 560 SL as a whole? And and just before I get to your comments here, I did pull the Haggerty information on this. The three-year trend reflects what I'm thinking here. It's up 31.1%. Let Haggerty do the talking there. I think that really says it all. I, I think these vehicles are coming into their own, and, and this is purely anecdotal evidence, Greg, but... I go back to my comment that I get from people or when I have a conversation with people that will say to me, look, I want to get into cars. I'd like to become uh, more than just an enthusiast. I'd like to become an owner. Where do I start? And I am convinced, and I've even said this on a Porsche podcast one time, which didn't go over real well, but I remain convinced that the entire 560SL, and quite frankly, the uh, 280SL, the 230SL, any of those SLs, depending on your budget, they are the most fabulous gateway drug automobiles. And it's a Mercedes-Benz. Every one of those series of cars, the different generations, were extremely well-built. If you find one that has been looked uh, after well, which there are a lot of great Mercedes service shops, classic service, uh, service shops, there's a, an abundant part supply. They're frankly made a lot of them, and there's a lot of them still on the road. I will challenge anyone, and I know there's probably some great gateway drug cars that you could tell me about in the domestic market, but in the European market, I really believe that this entire generation, and this car in particular is a perfect example, these are just incredible ways to get into the collector car community. Well, it's pretty funny. I have a client, actually, that has one, and it has 106,000 miles. And when he had me work it up, I said it's worth $10,000. Now, this is about a year and a half ago. And he had he wanted fifteen grand, and he just wouldn't want to do anything with it unless he can get fifteen. Well, now I'm going to go to him and say, you know what? It's actually worth fifteen grand now, so let me know if you want to do something with it. So it's amazing. How about that? That's cool. Yeah, it's amazing how the market moves on these things. So the next one's a 1986 Mercedes-Benz 500 SEC 6.0 AMG Wide Body. One of the longest titles in the world of cars, also one of the coolest cars. What can you tell us about this one? So here it is. It And you've heard this phrase before. I think we've talked about it. It is Radwood Royalty. It's a wide body. First of all, it, it's an incredible car. You know, a vehicle that, Greg, I'm not sure how much older I am than you, but this is vintage Miami Vice right there. <laughs> the baddest of all baddies drove these vehicles in that show through the 80s. They defined a real, you know, a real culture. And I, I knew these vehicles would come back and find their appeal again. And I think they have. The wide body makes it particularly unique. And this is a vehicle that probably for a long period of time, 
really was very, very much unappreciated. And I think that you're going to see this continue. And I don't prognosticate. I don't have a crystal ball. But as my generation becomes more and more involved in the car community, the car collecting hobby, here it is. It's 1986. It's a year I graduated high school. I'm sure I had one of these on my locker. They're incredible. Yeah. Yeah, they are cool. And then the last Mercedes will be a 2012 Mercedes-Benz SLS AMG Roadster, so the modern version of the fabulous Gullwing. I will admit, when these first came out, I was not crazy about the snout on them, but they have aged well, and I do think they're pretty cool. I mean, they are like jewelry on the inside, and that V8 engine is just strong. So what kind of comments do you have on the SLS? Incredible driving experience. I've had the good fortune. I've never been behind the wheel of the Roadster, but I was the coupe, and you know, you have this incredible combination of McLaren along with Mercedes-Benz. And you really do have, when this vehicle was introduced, for all intents and purposes, supercar uh, could define it. And today, when you get the opportunity to drive one, the power is overwhelming. But the performance is, quite frankly, race car-like on the road. Right, right. Yeah, they are. Now we're kind of changing gears here, to so to speak, by going to another car that is nowhere close to the same as any of those Mercedes, and this is a 1974 Pontiac Firebird Trans Am SD455. So it's got the big block 455 cubic inch engine. And I, you know what, I picked this one because muscle cars, you know, they're they're rebounding somewhat. I would say in the marketplace, they're getting pretty strong. I mean, I know there's a strong market for the resto mods. I haven't seen a lot of information on like the Pontiacs, the early 70s cars. And when I looked at the Haggerty Trends, it's basically flat, but this is a very beautiful car in a somewhat different Buccaneer red with black and gold Firebird. You've got the screaming chicken on the hood. So it's not your Burt Reynolds, Smokey and the Bandit version, but it's pretty cool nonetheless. It really is, Greg. And I have had the good fortune of being with this car not that long ago. And the sound is truly incredible. This is all you, isn't it, Greg? This is your <laughs> domestic ground-pounding muscle car that makes a sound and look, Greg, I, I may not, I, I clearly do not have, certainly not the knowledge or the, the passion for the domestic product like you do, but when you turn the key on this thing and it just shakes the walls, you cannot help but smile, and it's got to be its own car show everywhere it goes. They're incredible, and they, too, just like the wide body, but in a slightly different ear and a slightly different theme, really defined that muscle car era. You talk about that iconic Burt Reynolds look. Here it is in red, and it's really an impressive automobile. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's nice to see it not in a black color or any of your typical uh, Pontiac colors for that style. Now, the next one is another another muscle car that I've gotten to know fairly well. It's a 1969 Chevrolet Corvette Stingray L89 convertible, so it's one of the rare ones. Big block, 427, 435 horsepower car. A lot of documentation on this car. NCRS, Bloomington Gold. This one's been pretty interesting because if you look at the three-year trend, it's actually down 16.3% from a Haggerty valuation perspective. But it's popped up recently, and I've made the argument that I think muscle cars will continue to go up in value, mostly because they're kind of iconic. They can keep up with traffic today. They have a lot of the options and amenities folks want. Uh, what are your comments on American Muscle, if you have any? <laughs> Greg, you know, before we went to the, the air, well, let's share with your uh, your faithful listeners. I got to do a few miles today behind the wheel of my first ever experience in a C7 Corvette. So 
suddenly I'm waxing nostalgic. <laughs> I'm not necessarily a Corvette guy, but I can imagine when you think about the performance of this particular L89, and I know you're somewhat familiar with this car and certainly that whole generation, I can only imagine that much performance in the car at that time. I wonder, Greg, were these cars as, were they as special when they were introduced as, you know, everybody's talking about the C8 Corvette today, and they should, right? It's a really special automobile. But aside from where the engine is, were these cars, were they received with that kind of fanfare? You know, it's funny you say that, and my listeners, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the L89 was overlooked for many years because it was overshadowed by the legendary L88, you know, and then you had some of the other cars, especially the uh, C2 generation had just finished. So I think the L89 L89 was kind of a sleeper for many years, and it definitely has us doing the marketplace now. So I'll be curious. To, I'm curious to see what this will bring in our upcoming auction. I know there's been a lot of interest in it, which is pretty cool. Now, the next one I picked is, I believe, one of your cars. is a 1939 Ford V8 Standard Station Wagon, so this is one of the classic Woodies. I picked this one because it just looked like a stellar example, and you know, as I know, Woodies have been pretty soft lately, just a generational shift going on. But this looks like one of the nicer ones that are out there and on the market right now. When I saw this car and had the opportunity to take a really close look at it, look, you can be any kind of car enthusiast you want, but when you see the wood on these cars, on the side, in the headliners, it is just special. There's really nothing else like it. I, I don't fully understand why, I guess to use a euphemism, wood has softened a bit lately in the market <laughs> because where else can you get that kind of look? This particular example, I'm honored to actually uh, work with this particular car. Greg, you're right. Thank you for making that comment. Both inside and outside this is a fabulous example. I've had the chance to drive it. I didn't go very far, and I was somewhat cautious. But it is, I, I would imagine when I see this, and I hope anybody sees this, I don't know, Greg, what about you? I just picture myself with some, a tent and some charcoal in the back, and I'm headed off to the woods <laughs> somewhere to just be about as American as it gets. It's, it's incredible. Yeah, they are really great, and I actually found myself doing condition reports. Now, this is back for, I believe, the Auburn sale, and it was the first time I'd really gotten hands-on with these woody wagons, and I was just really amazed. When you come across a good one, you know, in the quality of the wood and the way they were crafted, it's really amazing. It's really a snapshot in time, so it's nice to see one that's in this sale. Now, I talk about generational trends a lot, what's going on in the marketplace, and one thing I've really been tracking a lot lately are the 50s and 60s Cadillacs. Now, that might seem kind of odd, uh, but they seem to be popping in the marketplace right now. Now, you and I were down at Scottsdale, or out at Scottsdale, and we had a Brougham. I believe it sold at Auburn for about $90,000, and the same car sold at Scottsdale for $180,000. Now, those are the pinnacle cars of Cadillac of the 50s, and even just period, you know, overall for Cadillac. And then we had a couple Brits that, that kind of rang the bell and sold really well, and so we have a 1960 Cadillac Series 2 Series 62 convertible on the sale, a beautiful white with red and white interior. So it's not the top of the line model. So I'm really curious to see what it does because it's kind of like all boats rise with the tide. I'm curious to see if some of the lower, not lower, but lesser trend models will uh, sell as well as some of the higher trend models have been. Is that something you're seeing out there in the marketplace as well? 
Well, I, I think the proof is in what's available right now. So you and I talked about this, how many brooms were really out there. You didn't really necessarily see them at auction and, and being well-received. One in Arizona. We have one in this sale. We have one in Amelia. And quite frankly, Greg, I think I can say this, the first car I have consigned to Monterey, guess what? It's a 57 Eldorado Brome. They are there. There is demand. I I see it. I get it. I think for me that that top the 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 roof is is incredible. They're big cars, but I am a bit shocked. Quite frankly, I don't have a crystal ball. But if I did, I would have never imagined seeing sixties and fifty seven Cadillacs coming on as strong as they have right now. Your your Haggerty three year trend on this is. Almost 18% on the, oh, that's on the 62 that's in this sale. Right, that's on the 62. And a little sneak peek under the tent for what's coming up with this podcast. Is I was fortunate to interview Bill Warner recently for his top 10 cars in his ultimate garage. And guess what the number one Does, car- Doesn't he have a brome, Greg? That was his number one car in his ultimate yeah. garage. So uh, we go a little bit more in depth on that episode, which will be coming up here in a few weeks. So be sure to stay tuned. Now, the next car is a 2013 Lamborghini Gallardo LP 570-4 Spider Performante. Performante, Performante, yeah. yeah that's a that's a mouthful. Now, I picked this one because it's just a, such a super cool car. I've often talked about uh, some of the, quote-unquote, semi-modern supercars, how well they've been doing in the marketplace. Most people would see this as kind of a used supercar, but it seems like folks are jumping on the cars that are 10, 12, 15 years old, so they're not really depreciating as much as one would think is that correct eventually these just had to hit a point you know sort of like ferrari daytonas they were eight hundred thousand. then they dropped down into the high fours and that just simply is too affordable and they have found some lift i believe look at this thing i i, I think the colors are you know lamborghinis greg and the gallardo of course, for sure, you don't necessarily think of them as somewhat muted automobiles, right. but I think the color on this one gives you an opportunity to be somewhat uh, less outspoken, and it's not, and that's fine if you like the really bright colors, but if you want to be the, the tiniest bit discreet as, you know, the children run away and everybody hides when the sound happens, this is a great color on this car. The Porfamante, uh, uh, like many of the Lambos of this generation, were, uh, was one of the special editions with some performance increase. And it's a pretty cool car. Uh, I had a conversation with someone last night. They asked me, just out of the blue, would you rather own a Ferrari or a Lamborghini? And I said, yes, I'd like <laughs> to have one of each. And I think they sort of say two different things. And I think this thing just really says a lot. Yeah, and for our listeners, it's kind of a dark gray, kind of like a pastel gray. Isn't that how you would describe it? I'm not even sure I'd I'd call it that a pastel. It it's darker than battleship gray. It has a stripe down the middle, which I would call sort of monochromatic. So it 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 says a lot, but it doesn't necessarily scream it like some of the colors that Lamborghini offered on these vehicles. Sure, sure. Yep. All right, our next one is kind of a different direction entirely. It's a nineteen eighty one Datsun. 280ZX. Now, I picked this one because of the JDM trend going on out there. And if you look at the Haggerty three-year trend, yep, it's up 50.9%. So this is not a performance car, even though it says 280ZX. It's not a turbo, um, but it's kind of a cool car, and it's in really tremendous shape. And I have fond memory memory of these growing up because it was like one of the really cool cars driving around the neighborhood. 
What do you have to say about the Datsun 280ZX? You know, I remember working on these cars when I was first a, a technician after high school and while I was in college. It's no surprise, right, to anybody that has a fascination with these automobiles or at least some knowledge of them. These things were well built. They're sturdy. They did suffer from that sort of melees where they got so affordable for so long that you could acquire them and you didn't really have to spend the money. Frankly, you weren't motivated to spend the money to maintain them and look after them. So when you find an example like this, it appears to me to be extremely well looked after. And frankly, Greg, the colors on this thing, I hope your listeners will hop on and take a look at that blue interior. These are just really good cars. Whether or not you like them, much like the 560 SL we talked about, they're just good cars, especially ones like this that appear to have been well tended to. Right, and with that fabric interior, you can really tell if the car has been taken well care of or not. And it looks like this one has around 26,000 miles on it, so one to look out for for sure. Now, a couple more here. I wanted to talk about the 2006 Ford GT. Now, I know you have a, I believe it's a Heritage Edition coming up in Amelia, but this one has an estimate of 375 to 425. And when I looked at the three-year trend, the non-Heritage is down slightly, 2.8%. I think the Heritage is up like 10%. So this is an, an extremely low-mile red one. I, I didn't check to see if I had all four options or not. But it only has 3.7 miles on it. So what can you tell us about the Ford GT? Isn't that an amazing thing, Greg? 3.7 miles. And that one that's coming to Amelia, it's 2.7 miles. So <laughs> it's phenomenal. It's criminal. It's, it, it is a little bit criminal. This is a vehicle. Here's what I'll say about this vehicle. And it's the same thing I've said about these Ford GTs. And no, I unfortunately have not had the opportunity to drive one of these. I very much want to. And quite frankly, Greg, in my dream garage, there's one of these. It's sitting right next to that Aston Martin Vanquish that we've talked about in the past. Every client that I know, every collector, enthusiast, whomever it is that I know that owns one of these, that drives them. Let's make sure we add that. Just absolutely overflows with enthusiasm for the driving experience. I've never had anybody ever tell me, oh, I have one, but every time I get in it, it, you know, this or it's that or wada, bada, boom. No, they love driving these cars. Did a tour two years ago, uh, a three or four day tour, and there was a gentleman there with an 06 Heritage, and during that tour, he crossed 30,000 miles on the car and just raves about being behind the wheel. Wow. Yeah, they're beautiful cars. That's one I would love to have in my ultimate garage as well. Now, the last car, and I, I want you to expand on this a little bit because I am not an expert in AMCs. <laughs> so the last car I have is a 1969 AMC AMX California 500 Special from what I've seen, these are probably the nicest AMCs I've ever seen in my life, and I think there's three or four of them, correct? There are five, oh, five. AMCs, Greg. There is a <laughs> one collector uh, is consigned five AMCs. Holy cow, this is, and we see this, right, especially at RM Sotheby's, Greg. We have automobiles. We're very fortunate, you and I and our colleagues, to be able to often bring cars to market just like that Ford gt with 3.7 miles this is one of those automobiles that is better restored 
like it or not, whatever your opinion is of restoration versus preservation, it's it's been restored better than AMC could have ever dreamed of building the car the moment it rolled off the assembly line. The automobile, the current consigner that I'm working with, purchased the car directly from John Cena. I think most folks know that name, if not from the wrestling now, from his celebrity that is building significantly uh, in movies and theater. These cars, and I've had the very good fortune, Greg, a lot of people, we did an interview with Haggerty, we've done uh, an interview with um, a Rob Report, a lot of people have been talking about the car. I think, and I see your Haggerty trend for this particular one is sort of flat, I really think these vehicles, the orphans, whatever you want to call them, I think there's a growing fandom for the AMC vehicles. I really knew almost nothing about them other than the fact that we had a Concorde when I was growing up. And I was just bowled over by the design, the style uh, in these particular vehicles. There's a, a Gremlin X with a 5-liter in it. There's a Javelin AMX. I got to drive that a good bit. And the front haunches and the front fender, Greg, the car is beautiful. And I did not appreciate that as much as I did. So there's five AMCs in this particular sale, all special in their own right. But if you have any AMC fans out there, make the commitment to go and look at them because I, I, I think it's a cool thing. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, I have not been that familiar with them. I have looked at a few recently in the RM world, which is getting me a little bit more acquainted with them. So they are unique. They are different. And what's funny is I, you know, as I talk to collectors that have the orphan, quote-unquote, orphan cars, often I ask them why, and they said it's mainly because they love the attention the car gets at car shows because people are like, what is that? I've never seen that. Or it's been forever since I've seen one of those. And so it's something fun and something different uh, that shows up at car shows, and the owners really seem to enjoy that extra bit of attention they get because they have something different and a little special. So that is cool. Be sure to check that out. Now, I know we've talked about a lot of cars here, so I guess it's probably in our best interest to tell folks how they can learn more about them. Yeah, uh, com. Go to our online-only Open Roads April sale. Over 80, 90-some lots in this particular sale. We've got a lot to offer. And again, I'll come back and talk about that automobilia, some pretty special stuff there. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thanks so much, Ramsey, for joining me today. I really do appreciate your time. Thanks, Greg. It really is great to be a part of what you're doing here. To all of your listeners and fans, thanks for being a part of the RM Sotheby's and Collector Car Podcast. You're doing a great job, Greg. I'm really proud of you, buddy. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Collector Car Podcast. Don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes and be sure to follow us on Instagram and everywhere else at the Collector Car Podcast.
Thanks for listening to the Collector Car Podcast. Don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes and be sure to follow us on Instagram and everywhere else at the Collector Car Podcast.